Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live to see it, friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So... When does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing great on our amazing Wednesday here. I I was just about to say it's an amazing Wednesday, and we've got an amazing show that we're going to kind of back into, if that's okay. Because when you call a show Coffee, Cheese, and VR Chickens... You, you, you almost, it, it's almost required that you back into that, don't you think? I mean, how do you, you don't go straight into the, uh, actually, we are going straight into the cheese coffee, and, but we're, we're saving the VR chickens for last, okay? So you know, I'm, I'm wondering if I should completely disown the, uh, the title and say, this is all on Phil, but uh, you know what? It'll probably turn out to be brilliant, and I, and I'm, I want to be a part of it. So, you know, I, yeah, in fact, let's I'm just all... do that right now. Let's just say this one's all me, okay? I'm ready. <laughs> When, when they hand out the Pulitzer, okay, yeah, I get it. It'll be, it'll be on Phil, and I'll just be in the audience, uh, you know, doing like the soft clap, you know, the really polite clap. <laughs> so they're going, we did a lot better shows than this one. I don't know yeah, they, they, we've done better than this. Come on. Yeah, what, what's yeah, right. going on? But actually, we never have, because this is the best show ever, because we're going to talk about coffee, cheese, and VR chickens, and we're going to talk about the need for something more, how our brains are wired to make us want things we don't have, or just to drive us to desire that which which we have not yet achieved. But before we get there, I just want to talk a little bit about how our brains are wired, because I thought these first two stories were interesting, so we'll just glance off them real quick. The first one, cheese triggers the same part of the brain as hard drugs, study finds. And that's really the whole story right there. You can Basically, you can read the headline, and, and you essentially know everything you need to know about the story. Uh, it turns out that the chemical casein is in cheese, and you know what it does is it uh, triggers your brain's opioid receptors, and those are linked to addiction. So basically, if if you like cheese, and boy, I, I like cheese. I don't know about oh, you, yeah. but if, if, if you like cheese, your desire for cheese is being triggered pretty much the same way a heroin addict's desire for heroin is being triggered. Now, I read that and I go, well, is that really any different from, you know, if I like milk duds, you know, or if I like uh, hot dogs or whatever, I, you know, a person you know, What if you're like, a, uh, you know, a risk junkie or something, you like driving fast or something. I mean, anything that you get enjoyment out of, you know, it's going to trigger some sort of dopamine response or something in your brain, right? So uh, you, would, you would think, although I guess the, the trick is they don't all have casein in them. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. And casein is there, and it's acting on your brain in the same way. I, that I suspect it's a, it's not the kind of hard hitting high that heroin is, and therefore not as bad for you either, right? Um, I don't know. I've had some pretty good cheese, but yeah. <laughs> or, or you're just sitting back in a stunned state of catatonic, kind of catatonic after eating that cheese. It was so good. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't you don't see people destroying their lives over cheese the way they do with heroin. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you're, the, you're probably quite the downside uh, that you'd see with with hard drugs. <laughs> you're, you're probably onto something there. Probably not as yeah. tight a grip. Now let's talk about one that is absolutely as as strong an addiction, and that is a this story. You actually would die without your coffee, research says. Uh, okay. I, I enjoyed this story so much, and somebody, when I posted it on Facebook, somebody left the comment. They said, is this for real or a joke? And I've read the article a couple times, and I haven't followed all the links within it, and I'm still not 100% sure. Actually, I, I'm pretty sure the the research is all real that's being cited, that the attitude with which it's being presented is is more fun and uh, and, and tongue in cheek. The, the headline might be a bit of an exaggeration, huh? <laughs> yes, because you're actually going to die either way. Okay, um, if you if, given yeah. enough time, right? Yes, if you drink your coffee, if you don't drink your coffee. But uh, drinking three to five cups of coffee per day gives you a longer life, making you 15% less likely to die early, lowering your risk of dying from a heart attack or a stroke by 21%, and slashing your risk for type two diabetes by 12%. Now. Assuming that those numbers are correct, that is a great testimony for coffee, right? I mean, that, you read that and you go, well, I guess the fact that I really don't function well without this is kind of justified here by, by these statistics. I, you know, it, well, you know, and I've, it doesn't say make it six to ten cups to get twice the benefits. So, you know, don't, yeah, don't there, go There's a point at which uh, there's diminishing returns, I'm sure. But I've, I've heard that part of, part of what's good about coffee uh, – Besides the fact that caffeine gets you moving in the morning, is uh, a lot of antioxidants. There's some good stuff with coffee. There's lots of complex good things happening when you drink a cup of coffee. So, you know, I I I I, uh, I never miss my cup or two in the morning. Uh, so, you know, kind of gets things going, right? So I think we're we're very similar in the in these respects, Stephen. We're both wired to eat cheese. We're both wired to drink coffee. <laughs> yeah. And now here's the here's the fundamental wiring we share with all our listeners and with everyone. This, this story, neuroscience confirms that to be truly happy, you will always need something more. And this is very, very interesting because when you get into this, I think what you're reading here is kind of the neurological explanation for the law of accelerating returns as as it's played out in human behavior, Ray Kurzweil's idea of the law of accelerating returns, or as I've called it, the human imperative. This idea that we're always, always, always trying to make things a little better, that, that it seems that we're constantly driven to take the next step, to get to the next plateau, to achieve one more feather in our cap, right? Or, or have one more good thing happen or, or I'm reminded of an old movie. It's uh, rock Hudson. And uh, I believe it was Tony Randall. Tony Randall's character is this multimillionaire, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and rock Hudson's character is, uh, has, is now a multimillionaire himself, but uh, he, you know, he, he started out at the bottom and, 
you know, and, and achieved his money, right? Tony Randall inherited the money, is that yeah, right? Exactly. This and is so, Pillow Talk with Doris yeah, Day. Is, is that exactly. Okay. And the quote was this. He says, you know, I, you, you came up from the bottom and you earned all your money, and that's awesome. And uh, I was born a, you know, a millionaire, and I'm still a millionaire. I can't get ahead. You know? <laughs> 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 I think there's something to that. I think that, uh, you, know, some, you know, sometimes uh, some of the – most miserable people you'll ever meet are those who just, they, they have everything. And, uh, you know, I, I think hope is, is a, has a big part of, of your happiness. If you, you know, if you have hope to improve your situation and you're working at it and you ha- have a reason to get up in the morning and do the, whatever it is that you're doing to, to improve whatever, right? I exactly. think that, 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 that uh, you know, it's not so much a uh, finish line and a, a place to, you know, it's 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 a process, right? You know, uh, being happy. I, I don't think that you ever really arrive. You just, you know, keep Well, in fact, in fact, the process seems to be one of the things that keeps us going. And it seems to be one of our deepest drives. This neuroscientist, uh, I'm going to say his name is Jock Panskep, and I apologize uh, if that's way far off base, but it looks like Jock Panskep to me. Um he says we have seven core instincts that are hardwired into the human brain, not counting cheese and coffee, okay? He <laughs> says anger, fear, panic slash grief, maternal care, pleasure slash lust, play, and seeking. So if you look at, if, if you look at the, what the brain is programming us to do, right, the, these, these programs it's carrying out to, to make us behave in certain ways, those are it. Everything we do is running, is running one of those programs. And he says by far... Seeking is the most important. It's, it's the one that we have in common with all mammals. So when I said in common with all our listeners and then with all people, I didn't go far enough. Okay? It's actually something that is within our, what do you call that, kingdom? Our, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, of, of living things. We're, we're looking all the time. Um, we're, we're being rewarded for exploring our surroundings, and we're seeking new information for survival. It's embedded in who we are we're born doing this in the same way we're born doing all those you know all those other things being afraid being angry seeking pleasure um uh, taking care of young ones right these these basic hardwired behaviors and of them all this is the one once again dopamine is being released when we engage in this behavior and make something happen so it probably accounts for an awful lot of just normal day-to-day stuff, doing your job, taking care of your family, doing your chores around the house. But it also accounts for all of learning, right? All of scientific research, all of people trying to create new things, make art, right? Make make big projects happen. Um, big projects within government, for example, right? In any of those would be good examples of this seeking behavior, this, this stepping out into the world, looking for something, trying to make something happen, and, and getting uh, a reward for it. It's, it's um, an innate human desire, and it means that we can never truly feel that every desire and wish has been met. Right. <laughs> that's, the way, that's the way it's There's worked. no finish line. There, really there is. is no finish line, because ultimately, when we think, we're, when we think that we're working on a particular goal, we are, you know, we're, we're working to achieve some good thing, but what we're really working on is feeding this beast inside of us. And, and once you feed it, it's hungry once again. 
So no excuse for Tony Randall. He should have been working on being a billionaire or – uh, well, you know. Another movie quote. Another movie oh, quote. Oh, please. Uh, Farce, uh, Farce Gump, Keep it real. Right? Uh, <laughs> in Farce Gump, uh, he, uh, he gets the news that uh, he doesn't need to worry about money anymore. And uh, his his comment was good. One less thing. That's right. I love that. And <laughs> so you know, here I mean, uh, even if you have all the money in the world, uh, you you're, you still have other other ways that you would other things to be concerned with, other other uh, other goals to meet, right? Exactly. Uh, so. And, I, and I believe, I, I honestly believe that that will be pretty much the attitude of this planet once we move to true post-scarcity. Right. And be right. like, okay, well, one, uh, less well one less thing to worry about. But, yeah. hey, you know, I've got other things I want to strive for. <laughs> but let me tell you about my personal life, right? It's a mess. And then you get, <laughs> you get the, the, the whole thing, right? So, so there it is. We are trying to make things happen. We are seeking to accomplish these ends. And I thought, well, let me find some good examples. And of course, everything we talk about on this program relates to the human imperative, relates to the law of accelerating returns as it's played out in human behavior. So it's not hard to come up with examples of this. And I thought, well, I'll just do some really big, obvious, juicy ones from a world-transformed standpoint. And the first one here is not news, even on this show, because we've been talking about this quite a bit, but the story is it's happening. Scientists can now reverse DNA aging in mice. And so this is the same story that we've been talking about, the uh, NAD plus research in mice, which is showing this astounding ability to reverse cell damage. As we talked about, I think it was last week, it's not just aging, although aging is probably the best example of damaging cells that we have on a consistent basis, but, but it would also it would also reverse damage done by radiation or, or brought about through other causes. But if you, look at, if you look at aging in a life form, in a mouse or a human or what have you, as primarily being a matter of damage to the cell, this is, this is fixing aging. That, that, that's about as big a breakthrough as, as you can have. And so I don't mind that we keep bringing it up and, and talking about it because this is well, one of the big and, goals. And, right? you know, imagine, you know, you, you know, you could uh, uh, have an ongoing treatment for this on, on your way to Mars, right? And, uh, you know, um, and, and reverse the cell damage that's ongoing rather than having to come up with, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, some sort of magnetic shielding or something for the ship, um, you know, it might be easier to fix ourselves in 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 uh, route. I don't know. It's uh, um, that that is the other application of this that keeps getting mentioned. And yeah, I, I got to yeah. say, well, even if I don't go to Mars, I am anticipating a good deal of cell damage over the next few years. So yeah, I'm, you know, just uh, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Stick around long enough, and uh, you know, you'll have some damage to reverse. One one of the things that is quite intriguing about this, if you, if you read this story is the plan is to trial a similar drug in humans before the end of this year. So hopefully by this time next year, we'll have some preliminary results, or maybe by two years from now, preliminary results of human trials with this. Because one of the big cautions, one of the big red flags on this story is the last word in the headline there, right? Scientists can now reverse DNA aging. Sounds great until you get to in mice. Okay. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's a proof of concept. And... Um, Mice are, are little mammals. Uh, they have a lot in common with us, but uh, you know, there's a lot different. And uh, Let, let's just talk about the, the cheese thing just for a moment, if we could. Okay. I don't, 
I don't I, want to draw too I'll many parallels. You, I'll bet you cheese really hits the hits little mice brains hard. You know, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, it had to be mentioned. Um, but but they're like us. They engage in seeking behavior. They right. you know they live normal mammal lifespans and through this process, damage in their cells is reversed. Now what's pointed out, and I think what, what you have to be aware of, is that mice are not little humans. And so sometimes things work in mice that don't work in humans. Some things work for us that don't work for them. You, you can't always be 100% sure. Uh, one, one thing that comes to mind is calorie restriction, which has been shown to have these dramatic effects in preventing aging among mice, it has been hard to reproduce those results for humans, right? Um, Primarily which, which, because uh, we, you know, it's it's just, it's hard. I mean, it's, hard, it's a hard thing to do. Well, it's a hard thing to do, but it's also, and it's hard, and it takes a long time to establish that in a human lifespan as opposed to a mouse lifespan. The great thing about right. mice is they, they're not little humans, but they do have short little lifespans that, you know, if you expand it, um, you know, in a fairly short period of time that you've done that. If you expand a human lifespan, it takes years, right, to actually know that you've, uh, that, that you've done that. So, so caution, it is in mice, but the good news is there's no reason to think that that isn't a more or less universal mammal thing, um, what, what NAD plus does in the cell. So there's no reason to think that there won't be some positive results from, from these human trials. We shall see. And if it works, uh, the, the seeking behavior is going to lead a lot of us seeking to see when, when can we try some of this stuff, right? I, I, no doubt. No <laughs> I know doubt. That's, that's what I'm going to be doing. And we'll also, if it doesn't work, obviously the seeking behavior will just continue and we'll keep looking for other ways to fight aging because we're going to keep working on that one, obviously, until we make some real, actually, you can expect for the rest of our lives, however long that is, this is going to be a problem that people are going to be working on trying to solve. I yeah, guarantee yeah, I mean, the first generation of anti-aging is, is, we won't arrive with the first drug that's, that shows promise, will, will we? It's going to be an ongoing, ongoing thing for a while. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. will. All right, how about this next one? Chemists are one step closer to manipulating all matter. This is a great piece in Wired. And I liked it because it talks about solving one of the problems that we've talked about the need to solve for as long as we've done this show, for as long as I've been blogging, we've been talking about this. And this is the ability to isolate a molecule, put a molecule in place, move a molecule around. If you can do that, theoretically, you can perform molecular assembly. If you can put one molecule in place, you can put another molecule in place next to it, right? And you can, you can begin constructing things at the molecular level. This is a vast, what I'm talking about here is a vast oversimplification of what needs to happen. But basically, that's, that's what we're talking about. And obviously, molecular technology, molecular construction at that level is another way of describing what we call molecular nanotechnology, the, the ability to, to, to create things at the, at the molecular level. So when they say manipulating all matter, in the headline, they're not kidding. They're, they're, talking about, they're, they're, they're talking about the technology that will enable us eventually to do that. So it sounds like not a huge step in that direction, but that's a really important step. When, when, you, can, when you can nail down one molecule and say, yes, I'm holding this one in place, I'm not moving it you know, necessarily, I'm not doing anything with it, but I can, I can hold it in place 
that's a that's a huge step in that direction, isn't it? Um, imagine all the areas, Phil, of of science and technology that will be affected. I mean, it's hard to imagine an area of science and technology that wouldn't be affected. I mean, uh, when it comes to uh, production of drugs, you can lay down molecules exactly as they need to be to make a particular drug that can't be found in nature or anywhere else. It's just, you know, you can uh, you can manufacture exactly what you need. Uh, there's you know, material science. You know, you can you make metals that, that don't uh, wouldn't exist any other way or, uh, or other materials that are, you know, exotic hybrids uh, that just are not possible any other way. It's, it's uh, once you can lay down molecules or lay down atoms exactly the way you want to build the molecules you need, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's a, that is powerful. That is powerful. The, this technology, we originally referred to it as nanotechnology, as described by K. Eric Drexler in his classic book, Engines of Creation. More recently, Drexler has referred to it as atomically precise manufacturing. That's the, that's the technology that we're talking about. And one of the big breakthroughs that has to occur to enable us to get to atomically precise manufacturing is this ability to isolate a molecule. What's very interesting to me about this story in Wired is that there is you will not find the word nanotechnology in there once. You will not find a reference to engines of creation or Radical Abundance, the more recent sequel that Drexler has written, or to Eric Drexler. It's as though this is a problem that's just popped up and someone is trying to, trying to solve it. I don't know if the, the author of the Wired piece actually has no idea that, <laughs> that that's what he's possible, talking about. Which is possible, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Or if they're deliberately, Nick Stockton is his name, uh, just to get the gender correct, I, I don't know if he doesn't know about it, or if he's deliberately not saying it. And it's interesting either way. Um, yeah. if, if he doesn't know about it, read up, Nick. Uh, there's a, this, this, is, this is bigger even than you think. Um, and if he's ignoring it specifically, why do you suppose? Well, why, there's, why there's been so, such pushback against uh, um, the, the ideas that uh, Drexler um, uh, put out there, you know, way back in the 90s, that... Uh, uh, you know, it's 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 you know it's one of those things that uh, it, it's almost as if it has to be marketed under a new name when these ideas when when you actually start seeing it happening. Uh, it's almost as if uh, uh, the even though you're seeing it happen, just like Eric Drexler said it would, uh, you know he's he's still uh, you know in in common parlance has still been discredited at least with the. Uh, uh, with with a lot of with a lot of people have this feeling that he's been discredited. I never bought into that. I always thought his ideas were brilliant, but uh, a lot of people felt that way. So I think it might be just a remarketing of the old ideas now that we're seeing them actually happening. Yeah, I, I think it could be that that uh, this this author is saying, well, this this isn't phony. This is real. Therefore, I'm not going to talk about now. <laughs> yeah, therefore, we're not going to talk about Drexler because <laughs> because he's phony. Well, no, he's not. I, I never bought that. You know, I never. In, in never fact, that. this goes to the great debate that occurred between K. Eric Drexler and Richard Smalley, long time ago. First in uh, Scientific American, and then it was in uh, uh, it was uh, Chemical Engineering News. They carried out a debate in writing over whether what Drexler now calls atomically precise manufacturing could ever occur, and one of one of Smalley's critiques of Drexler was 
you can't do it because there's no pincers, there's no fat finger. You know, your, your fingers are too fat. You'll never be able to make a device like you know tweezers small enough to pick up a molecule. In the book, Radical Abundance, Drexler says, you know, the fat fingers argument is one of the biggest wastes of times of all time because I never said that. I never said that we'd have tweezers fine enough to pick up molecules and move them around. And what he has described has been chemical processes and other right. uh, other ways of approaching it that would have the same effect, that would isolate a molecule in place and allow us to move molecules around. And here we see research that's actually delivering on the first step of that, which in the book, Radical Abundance, Drexler talks about that. He says, when we see this happening, it's going to come through chemical research. It's going to come through material science research. They're going to, they're going to be working on this, and, and they're going to make this happen. So I see this story as a huge vindication of Eric Drexler, right Absolutely. down to the not calling it nanotechnology anymore. So um, since he doesn't, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't it's, refer a, to it's it atomically anymore. precise manufacturing, for sure. Well, yeah. you know, I've always thought of uh, proof of concept for, for uh, Drexler's ideas is biology. It's, you know, our, our bodies do things at the molecular level, and uh, there's no fat finger problem there. And it's happening because it's happening chemically, you know. There you so, go. And, uh, so we know it can happen there, and uh, why can't it happen, happen elsewhere? Well, it's beginning to. And that's, it's, uh, I'm with you. I feel like this is vindication for him. Yeah, it, we're still a ways from printing out our own diamondoid brand-new cars in our garages, but it's coming, okay? Once you, once, once you isolate one molecule in place, you're halfway there, I think, or may, if not halfway there, maybe the first, you know, the journey of a 1,000 miles, which has begun with a single step. In any case, it is, a, it is a huge accomplishment for these folks who have done this, and I look forward to seeing more progress in this regard, and I look forward to reading more folks talking about the fact that maybe we're on our way to manipulating all matter and the impact that that can have. As listeners to this program know, the impact of that is going to be unbelievably huge, uh, touching on all aspects of, as you were saying, Stephen, business, medicine, basically economy, how the, how the world everything. works. Everything. Yeah, it, 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 touch, it touches on everything. It's kind of hard to, it's, it's kind of hard to overestimate it. And in every one of those respects, it opens up new venues for our seeking behavior to, to find new, new outcomes to seek. All well, of which leads us finally. I, I would tell you, uh, you know, uh, like in The Graduate, instead of saying plastics, I would tell that young man, I'd say, you know, atomically precise manufacturing. That's, That's right. where it I is. One, I got three words for you. Exactly. Those words are virtual reality chickens. Virtual reality chickens. Not atomically precise manufacturing. Okay. How in the that, world is, was this supposed to work, a virtual reality chickens? Well, l- well, let me just, let me, let me make the case for why this belongs in this show, okay? Right. Because uh, I really wanted to mention this in a show, and I found a way to, to bring it in. We go after the big problems: world hunger, aging, pollution, atomically precise manufacturing. But we're working on a lot of other things too, okay? People, you know, the desire to make the world a better place, as anyone who has read our book, Visions for a World Transformed, knows, takes myriad forms. It takes as many different forms as there are people thinking about it and as many different forms as the ideas that people come up with for for making the world a better place. So we've got this guy, Austin Stewart. He's an assistant professor of design at Iowa State University, and his idea is let's improve chicken quality of life. We depend on chickens. We 
most of us eat chickens. Not, not all of us do, but a lot of us eat chickens. And the truth is that most of the chickens in the world have a very poor quality of life. Okay? They live in uh, you know, what amounts to factory farms similar to the feedlot for larger livestock. They don't get to see much of anything. They don't get to do much of anything. Basically, they get fed their entire short life, and then they're slaughtered to be eaten. So he says, we can solve that problem. <laughs> by putting virtual reality goggles on these chickens and giving them a subjective experience very different from what they're experiencing in their day-to-day lives. And he has come up with an idea. He calls it second livestock. Um, Get it. And uh, basically, uh, you know, the idea is let's create a little virtual happy place for chickens to be in before, before they're killed. Now, I think this is preposterous on almost every level. Okay, it, yep. it's it, it uh, but his heart's in the right place. Okay, I think we'll we'll actually solve the problem of chicken suffering through vat uh, meat. You know, we'll, yeah, we'll in we'll, vitro cultured meat is the way to go. Where yeah, there's, I mean, there's if, no if, animal that dies at all for that for that meat. Right, or we might have you know chickens that grow that don't really ever have a brain or a nervous system that you would need to soothe right it would it yeah. would never have had any pain to begin of course, with that, that's uh, that's spooky looking too I, you, you never well you so know, i mean so is printed bad meat yeah those are those are all you know they've all got a creepy factor to them right. um this one just has a i mean picture it and laugh out loud factor which i kind of <laughs> like I, you know um, oh, and i don't begrudge the chickens their happy experience i just i i don't see how you would scale this um, it seems to me it doesn't address the physical pain that they have, which is probably greater than their boredom or you know lack of uh, intellectual stimulation. But I do love the idea. I, I love that somebody <laughs> is, you know, looking at chicken suffering and thinking, well, here's the solution. Let's let's yeah, put them all in a VR. You know, it's it's almost as if uh, Tyson Chickens is being run by Willy Wonka. You know, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to come up with an idea like this, this is pretty uh, pretty out there. But hey, yeah, like you say, it's <laughs> there are there are you know. There's a million of crazy ideas, and you know we try we try a lot of crazy ideas, and some of them turn out to be not so crazy. Eventually, turn them, some of them some of them work out. And all I can say to Austin Stewart is keep working on it, okay? And if not this idea, maybe your next one. But uh, we, we, I, I hope to see way, this way to think outside the box. <laughs> Absolutely, congrats! Yeah. You know, mega mega uh, kudos for thinking outside the box for sure. And uh, hopefully, we'll we'll see more from him later. All right, well that's going to do it. For this edition of the World Transform, we're going to be back on Friday with a brand new show. Brian Wong is going to be with us. We're going to be talking about making space colonization affordable. Talk about the seeking behavior, huh? That's uh, that's going to be a big one. So, Stephen, great talking with you. It's great being with you all. We look forward to being with you again on the next World Transformed. And until next time, live to see it. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.